A Friday visit with Ben Fredrickson, and as always, we're presented by Blue Tail Medical Group. Great alternative to surgery. So if you are lined up for surgery, make sure you contact the doctors at Blue Tail Medical Group. It's Wolf, Bays, and Crane at Blue Tail Medical Group. A great alternative before surgery. Find out more, bluetailmedicalgroup.com. We say good morning to Ben Fredrickson of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Hey, Ben, good morning. Happy Friday, Dan. Happy uh, Cardinals-Cubs weekend, everybody. And hope everybody's got their grills cleaned off and ready to roll, man. It's it's grilling season, and there should be some good baseball on this weekend, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm going to be fascinated to see what Wrigley Field looks like uh, today. They're going to be open 100% capacity. And you know when fans hear that, they're going to go to the ballpark. You probably had some St. Louis fans say, let's make a weekend of it. So this time last year, there's... No baseball, and now here we are, fast forward a year later, 100% capacity at Wrigley, and I think it's going to be a great atmosphere, and it should be a good series. The Cubs fans will be flocking to see that new Patrick Wisdom statue, Dan. I think it's (laughs) currently uh, being finished up for the big series against his old team. How about that? Um, Hey, by the time the Cardinals get back to Bush Stadium, they'll be full, and uh, full capacity at Bush for for the Marlins coming to town. So it's awesome, man. It's been it's been fun to see the ballpark start to fill up. It's been good to get back down um, on the field for some for some interviews. I think the players are, are maybe not always thrilled to see us down there, but uh, even had a couple coaches say, "Hey, good to see you guys back." So it's starting to feel a little more normal. And uh, now we got to go be accountable face to face for all the crazy things we write and say. And sometimes that's good too, is to uh, to be reminded that people uh, people can can say, "Hey, what was up with that?" So that's part of it, man. That's part of the interaction, and good to be getting back to that that normalcy. So the Cardinals can uh, make a lot of more people want to come to the ballpark if they play a little bit better this weekend. They stopped the bleeding there against Cleveland before they left town, but it's been a pretty uh, depressing stretch for them. Yeah, it has been, and they did salvage a game. And, you know, you look at the 39-year-old Adam Wainwright and you wonder where this team would be without Waino and to an extent for sure without Yachty, who's 38, um, and, and they were key components in the game two nights ago. Yachty had a 10-pitch at bat with a walk, a key at bat in the game. Then Carpenter hits the bases loaded uh, double, and uh, it was kind of like turn back the clock night because then Wayno was vintage Wayno, and your elder statesman, if you will, of that team were the difference uh, in salvaging a game against Cleveland and only one win on the homestand. I'll tell you what. Adam has been a rock for this team. We saw it last season. We're, we're seeing it again. And I was looking this up before we talked. I think the last three times a Cardinals pitcher has, has pitched seven or more innings, Dan, he's been the guy. Um, you know, the Cardinals had that ever since the Cardinals beat Pittsburgh in that two-game series, their starting pitching has gone, has basically just gone down the tubes. Now, part of it is because guys are, are injured when you don't have you know, Jack Flaherty and Miles Michaelis and, and, and KK, you're going to not pitch as well. But that's really, I think, been the biggest problem for the Cardinals. You go back to, you know, the 21st of May and their ERA for their starters is 5.4. Um, they're, they're up in the top two or three of walks. They're, they're down in the bottom five of, of strikeouts and, and they're not getting very many innings from those guys either, which is putting stress on the bullpen. They're not throwing enough strikes in general. They're hitting too many guys. We've talked about all these things a million times. What we maybe haven't talked enough about is how Adam Wainwright has been the guy who's who's finding ways to stay in games, who's finding ways to, to rest the bullpen. Um, you had a great description of it 
during the game, he's not blowing guys away with, with triple digit velocity. He's picking his spots. He's hitting them. He's facing some adversity. He's wiggling out of it. He's getting over it. And that's pitching. And I think, you know, we've talked so much these past few seasons about velocity and, and yada, yada, yada. And there's still, there's still success for guys who can pitch. Wainwright's doing that. He's leading by example. Um, they had to have a chance to kind of take a breath and, and head into the clubhouse without a loss before they hit the road again. And he gave him a chance to do it. And, and Yadi coming back to do it. I was trying to think of how bad Yadi or Molina would have to be hurt to not start that game with, with Wainwright. I think they would have had to, you know, put him in a cell and lock three doors before he got back out there. But, and he goes back out there and he gets dinged up. I mean, dolls are hitting off of him. You know, he's, he's getting hit by a pitch. He just, you go, man, can he stay in the game? He just shakes it off. He's remarkably tough. I think that makes the team stronger when he's in there. And, and I'll give some credit to Carpenter too, man. Uh, the people who are desperately wanting Carpenter to not succeed, they're having a harder time finding something to stand on for the opportunities that he's getting. Look, he, he's not playing as well as he hoped. Um, the contract hasn't worked out well, and, and, and there's no point in, in saying anything other than that. But he is getting better a little bit here and there. It'll be really interesting to me to see – how Schilt leans in this series. Carpenter has had some big games at Wrigley Field, Dan. As you know, he's been playing a little bit better. He's been getting a hit or two in his last few games. With Paul DeYoung back, where does where does the Carpenter experience go? Is he back to being a pinch hitter? He's got like a close to a 440 slug as a pinch hitter, which is way better than the National League average. Or does he maybe get some st- some some starts at second base? Edmund in the outfield, DeYoung at short. Is who's going to get the who's going to get the majority of the of the reps now? Is it going to be Edmundo Sosa or is it going to be Paul? Is it going to be Matt Carpenter? I'm curious to see how Schilt plays that. And maybe Paul DeYoung mixed in there too. I mean, right, and short, yeah. I mean, you hope that he's if he's activated, which he, he is. He, he'll be. Hope a- that he's ready to play. Yeah, so he is activated. Um, it was late yesterday. The Cardinals came out and said that uh, he's coming off the 10 day IL. He'll be active for today's series opener in Chicago, and John Nagowski was optioned to AAA Memphis. So, you know, DeYoung is activated. So you got to look at, you know, do you want to ease him back in or is he back in every single day? Uh, as you mentioned, you laid it out perfectly with what you do at second base. And and another way to get, uh, you know, guys the, the playing time that you want to keep them sharp is that, you know, Sosa easily could come off the bench midway through, especially if you have a lead and you, you want your best defense out there. So that that's something to think about as well. But I, I'm with you. It, it definitely looks like a situation where they're slowly but surely getting healthier. They miss Bader. There's no doubt that that's something they miss. And, and three-fifths of the rotation is out. So we'll see what happens uh, starting at Wrigley. But I, I do tell people that not only – um, is he exciting to watch? But I can't wait to watch his at bats and 15 home runs, two more the other night, and that's left fielder Tyler O'Neill. I gotta wonder, Ben. Now he's played in I think 43 of the 62 games the Cardinals have uh, played in so far this year. I, I gotta wonder if if this continues, if he has a, a trip to Colorado in the All Star game. Um, he's now in the top four, I believe, in home runs in the National League. He's only walked, by the way, five times, and his OPS is well above 900, even with five walks, which is impressive. Uh, I think it's something like 32, 34 maybe hits on the year, and over half of them, well over half of them are going for extra bases. 
and yes, he has lived up to the billing of a gold glove in left field. This guy is coming into his own, and and that's been fun to watch, and I think a bright spot, even though it's been a dismal couple weeks for the St. Louis Cardinals. Well, I'll tip my cap to the Cardinals for having patience in him because there were times when you know you just wondered, is he going to put it all together? And they were saying for years that they think this guy could be a special player. I still am eager to see him play something like 140 games in a season because just the way he plays, the way his body is built. Um, I can remember when they traded for Tyler and Mike Matheny going on and on about how he's not going to be an injury-prone player, but he unfortunately has been. Now, if he can stay healthy and get over that hurdle, Dan, you are talking about an all-star. If this guy plays 140 games in a season, we've never seen him play more than 61, I think, for the Cardinals in a major league season. He'll be an all-star based off his home runs alone. It's a home run league now, and he's really good at it. He's now averaging a home run every 10 at-bats this season. Wow. It's absurd. Every 10 times he goes to the plate, he hits a homer. I don't care if you walk or not. If you're hitting a homer every 10 times you go to the plate, you're going to play, and you're going to be one of the names around the league that people are talking about. You mentioned the entertainment factor. Throw that in there, too. The guy sprints the bases like a lunatic. Um, he's, he's, you know, playing with uh, his heart on his sleeve, trying to run through walls. He, he kind of acts like home runs are like tying his shoe. He's not, doesn't get real fired up about him. He kind of, that's what he's there to do. And he's got some signs of a, of a player that a team could kind of have as a, as a, as a pillar identity player. And he is exciting. So he's just got to stay out there. Um, he's got to stay healthy, has to stay off the injured list, has to stay in the lineup because when he's in it, it can jump on you in a hurry. Those home runs that he hit against Cleveland, it didn't even look like he was swinging that hard. And he doesn't have to. He's got so much power that that flick of his bat and his follow through, it can it can send it flying. It can send it flying at Wrigley too. So, uh, you know, be on the lookout for some, some Tyler O'Neill detonation at Wrigley Field because if he's healthy and he's in the lineup, he's probably going to be doing some damage. Um, I, I'm safe to, to say that now. I've seen enough to believe that now. My only question left is can he stay – out of his own way physically. Um, I don't, you know, I love that he'll run through a wall. It's great. I don't know that I want him doing it much if I'm the Cardinals because I'd rather have him in the lineup. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, so it's the Cardinals and the Cubs today. Uh, one of those games is on local TV. That will be this afternoon. A reminder, by the way, Sunday night, Fox 2 at 1030 on our TV show. Carolyn Kendall Betts from MLS. The commissioner, Don Garber, was kind enough to join me, and also Taylor Twelman. So we'll talk a lot of, about what's happening with MLS and uh, get an update on the stadium, which really is taking shape. And a lot of people have not seen the stadium. Maybe you haven't been downtown since the pandemic hit. So it's amazing how much is going up. I want to continue, though, with the Cubs and the Cardinals. Cubs aren't going away. You know, this is a lot of guys that uh, are in the final years of their deal. It becomes a tough spot, potentially, depending on how you, you want to look at it for their front office and what they want to do. But this is a really good team in terms of lineup and in terms of what they do at home. So this is a tough test. Cardinals have Oviedo going today, Gant on Saturday, and then Carlos Martinez on Sunday Night Baseball, who's been uh, really rough the last couple of times. So this is a situation where you, you don't have your best pitchers potentially going out there against a team that's been very good in the friendly confines. Yeah, the Cubs are, as I said, 21-10 and 10 at Wrigley, which is absurd. The Cardinals are one game above 500 at Bush, which they're not happy about. And that, at least they got that six-game losing streak there over. But you want to play well at home. And if you can, that's that could be the difference in this division. The Cubs have done it. They're, they're headed back to Chicago with a lot of confidence, Dan. They did not 
win their road series against the Giants and the Padres, but they did against the Padres, and they've actually won their season series against San Diego. So they're feeling pretty good about themselves, and they get Hendricks um, going uh, going game one, which is convenient for them and, and bad news for the Cardinals. Wisdom has become a folk hero for them. It's ha- I'm happy for him, but uh, it makes you wonder how, how that happened, and it's a credit to the Cubs for seeing the talent. The Cardinals aren't kicking themselves over Patrick Wisdom. The Seattle Mariners probably are. He, they did not let him play one game for them last year during the pandemic-shortened season, but he's become, a, he's become a, a guy who's lifting that team. And it makes me wonder, we talked about Carpenter, can he become a guy who lifts the Cardinals, a guy who's kind of written off here? I, I wouldn't mind seeing Carpenter play quite a bit here at Wrigley, if only for the sake that he's starting to heat up. We know that if he does heat up, he can get scorching hot. And there's no place that he likes to hit more than Wrigley. We've seen him take series there and basically put them on his shoulder. So maybe it's time for the Cardinals to get some, uh, some big contributions from a guy who everybody has more or less written off. Could it be Matt? I don't know, but this division is going to be very much led by the Cubs. I think from here on out, um, the Brewers, you don't write them off, but you know, they're, they're, they're just still beat up. Colton Wong's back on the injured list. I think the Cubs are, are the team to beat in the division. I really do right now. And I think that the front office is going to have to answer some questions here. If they start looking to add at the deadline, there's going to be fair questions asked because maybe they just should have kept some guys around a little bit longer. I mean, what, what does this team look like if they didn't deal you Darvish? And, and, and are they going to add anybody at the deadline for a division-leading team or close to it that was better than the guys they let get away? It's a valid point, and it's fair. Uh, and we'll see how it shakes out. So you got uh, three this weekend with the Cubs. And then you look at the schedule, and it gets kind of interesting here for St. Louis. Um, come home, 100% capacity at Bush Stadium beginning Monday the 14th. Then you have four with Atlanta. That won't be easy, and that's going to Atlanta. Then you go to Detroit, one of the down teams this year. Then you have four with Pittsburgh. You've got, and this is at home now, four with Pittsburgh, uh, three with Arizona, and then you have a long, a tough road trip before the All-Star break. But looking until the end of the month, you've got these three with Chicago, you got the four with Atlanta, and then you have, at least record-wise, some of the lesser teams um, in the league. And I, I'm sure part of the approach, at least it would be for me, is that, look, I'm trying to keep my head above water get through the month, and hopefully at that point you're reassessing and seeing where Jack Flaherty is at. You have a better idea with that. You, you're you're going to have a better idea about Bader. You're going to have a better idea about some of these guys that have been hurt, KK. So keep your head above water and see where you're at right uh, at the turn of the uh, the month and going into uh, July. And see who's available. Yeah. Um, as much as everybody wants a trade now, I get it. And the Cardinals do need help from the outside. Just waiting on guys to get healthy is not going to be enough for them um, but right now, every other team, for the most part, is thinking, okay, we might have a chance, or, or, or they're trying to formulate who's going to be available and who's not. Are they buyers or sellers? That, that hasn't been decided by a lot of teams yet. Um, I want a Max Scherzer trade more than anybody else, but right now the Nationals probably think they can catch a spark. And for folks who are saying, well, no, of course not. They're out of it. Well, that was said about the Nationals the last time they won the World Series. So everybody trying to organize buyers and sellers right now, it, it, it's it's a process that's taking place. It'll happen soon, but you can't go out and make trades with teams that don't know yet if they're going to be trying to add or, or sell or sit tight. And that's kind of where the Cardinals are. So really what you can do is you can try to look for some minor upgrades. Um, you know, my, my buddy at the Post-Dispatch, Derek, has mentioned that maybe Shelby, Shelby Miller is a, is a guy who could provide some valuable innings for the Cardinals you really need the front office to, to make some moves that kind of 
makes everybody shrug in the moment, but end up being good ones later until you can get to the true trade deadline action. And the Cardinals have been good at that in times. We haven't seen one of those kind of Cardinal devil magic type moves in a while, Dan, but I go back to, you know, a guy like Bud Norris. And when the Cardinals picked up, it wasn't at the trade deadline, but everyone said, well, what is, what is he going to do? And he was the, one of the most reliable relievers for the team that year. They need, they need some smaller things to produce some players who can, who can be reliable. I think clearly, you know, they, I think they could use some help in the bullpen. I, I think the lineup could use some sort of kind of scrappy on base guy, some kind of rusty nail, you know, somebody who can add a little edge to the lineup, a little more, a little more grit. Maybe not, a, not necessarily a massive bat, but just somebody with a little bit of uh, an edge. And then I think starting pitching is the one we're all going to talk the most about. But there, there are some openings on this team where the right kind of move that didn't create a ton of headlines could help this team quite a bit. And we haven't seen the Cardinals really proactively try to improve a major league team during the season in a while. I mean, you got to go back to 2015. It was Jonathan Broxson, who was great after he was traded, and, and, and Brandon Moss. Everybody remembers Brandon Moss for what happened the next year when he went colder than ice. But for that year, he was okay. He was insurance because Holiday was hurt. But we need to see some. I think I think if you're expecting the Cardinals to be in it in the second half, there's going to need to be two things. The team's got to get healthy. They got to get some luck there. They also the front office has to find some ways to supplement this roster at the major league level. We haven't really seen them be aggressive in trying to do that for a while. It's time to find out if they still can and know how. Yeah, um, I want to get into college football too. I think this is exciting if you're a football fan, college football fan, but there's a proposal to do a 12-team format for the playoffs. Wouldn't happen next year, but eventually it could. It's on the table. What do you think about it? I love it. I hope it happens, and I think that the reaction that you're going to see from this is going to be really strong. There will be some points of contention. Notre Dame fans will not like that the theory trotted out this week that would not include a a, a buy for um, for an independent and and they got a probably a fair beef there if they're undefeated maybe they should be eligible for that but I've said this since the college football playoff started as four teams it really felt then like the bowl games that were not deemed college football playoff bowl games really took a far step back and they didn't they lost some of their luster they lost some of their intrigue um, I think that you know, there's a clear line between being in the playoff and being out of it. Anything out of it, you're kind of sub-tier. And to, to have more teams in, to have that spectacle go on longer, um, if you can take a page from the NCAA tournament, there's beauty in having a big old bracket where everybody gets to go. Now, I like the idea of, you know, I get so sick of that year that, that Central Florida was undefeated and they claimed a national championship. <laughs> and you know what? I've always said, put them in. You know, and let them let them find out what happens. And you know what? If they win, then that's a great story. And no one's going to be complaining about a true underdog. Everybody loves the Cinderella. Chances are, though, they'll get knocked out, and then they won't be able to parade around and say that they won a fake national title. Put them in, and it, and if the, it let some of those young, so so smaller non-power five teams have a chance. Uh, I think it makes for great great theater. We're not going to complain when a team gets trounced because the team will move on and play somebody better. So I love it. I'm glad they're actually doing it. I wish it was starting sooner, but it is good news because for a while they just stiff armed the idea and made it sound like there was no chance. But I think the will of the people is, is winning here. Do you think, let me play devil's advocate here just for a second. Um, this is uh, student athletes in uh, quotations there. Um, so they're student athletes, you know, and there's going to be some people that come out and say, man, that's a lot of games. You know, that, that is a ton of games, and 
you know, you're, you're asking these kids to do a lot more. Uh, now, from the viewing public and from my personal selfish aspect, of course I want to see that. I think it'd be great. It, and in terms of the NCAA and these colleges and universities and uh, conferences making more money, of course they are. I mean, you're talking about massive television ratings for all these games more than likely. So there's a lot of pluses in a lot of ways. Uh, I always say follow the money because that's what's going to dictate whether or not you do these things. So that's that. But what about the idea that some people say, now, wait a minute, aren't, aren't we having these guys play enough games already? Um, you know, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Personally, I think they should do it. But what do you think when people come out and say that? What would be your response? I think it's fair. Um, it's the same way I don't have complaints when guys skip bowl games. You know, you got to do what's in best interest of, of you as a, as a guy who's getting ready to go to the NFL. Putting a, a bigger college football playoff in, I think, is a way to prevent that from happening because I think more kids will want to play. You know, it's, there's a difference between playing for the, the Tostitos Bowl trophy and playing for a national title. And, and I think that that's one way to fight back against guys backing out or, or, or dodging bowl games. I think the players will be in favor of this. As for should college players get a bigger cut of the pie in, in football and basketball? Hell yeah. I've been, I've been seeing that for, for a long time. And um, you know, I, I think that ideally when, when the sport makes more money, the players who are out there on the field getting concussed and tearing ACLs and, and, and beating their bodies up, they would get a little more something too. What's the best way to do that? I don't know. Um, I don't have the answer, but I, but, but not answering it is not the answer. We should find a way to make it happen. Um, part of what we're seeing is, is maybe there, there could be some of this answered by the NLI conversation, which continues name, image, NIL, name, image, and likeness, which is continuing. Eli Drinkwitz has been a huge proponent of this, Dan, um, and he's going he's gonna to continue to beat this drum. NCAA took too long and states finally started pressuring them, but we could see you know, more prominence um, for the college football playoff, more teams involved could open up more doors for these student athletes to benefit from some of that. If you got a quarterback from a, a school that maybe normally would not have gotten as much national attention, maybe his team is in that expanded college football playoff now, and he picks up a, a sponsorship for the grocery store, or a car dealership, something along those lines. I do think that the NCAA proper, the, the college football playoff should get to a point where it is doing something to help out these guys more. But I think if you pulled most players and said, you guys want to have more teams in, you want to have a better shot of making the college football playoff, they would all say, yeah, sign us up. And I agree with them. I'm curious about this because it's in our industry. And I don't know if this will interest some of the listeners, maybe, maybe not. But you mentioned earlier you're back on the field and talking to um, players. And ultimately, the media is the conduit between the player and the fan. The fan's the one that uh, watches the games listens to the games, buys the tickets. So I guess it's a necessary evil, if you will, that we are there and, and trying to, to, to get the information. Um, what do you think about it? You, you mentioned some of the coaches who were saying, hey, hello, how you doing? But uh, what was it like? And did you get the feeling that maybe the players thought, hey, this is okay because it feels back to normal? You know, it's kind of a, a sense of normalcy. For instance, Jim Hayes was – doing our, our star of the game, our, our player of the game on the field the other night. It looked normal again. Up in the booth, we're next to each other now, doing the open to the game in the booth. We're not separated with social distance. So there is a feeling of normalcy with that. 
Um, just what, what do you think about, you know, trying to get back on that side of it with the media side of things? And, and it, it, you know what, it pertains to going to the Missouri football training camp coming up in a few weeks in August. So that's right around the corner. Um, it, it just feels like things are getting back to normal, which is so nice to see. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of like a, a the ecosystem is starting to get balanced out again in the right way. Like there's a there's a flow to this and a rhythm to this that that we have that we're used to and it's good. Um, you know, in the in the old days pre pandemic, right? You you go you do your interviews, you write something. If if you write something that maybe is critical, a guy hollers at you when you go back. You work that out or don't, or, you know, whatever. But there's but there's almost kind of a, a flow to it. And what's been missing is that human interaction, that human element. And I do think it's hurt things. I, I think it's hurt the quality of, of interviews. I think it has, has, has led to things that maybe don't get explained as well. Um, maybe a, a divide between players and not fans, because there's, I'm not naive. There's more ways now than ever before for players to talk with fans or to get their message out. But, but I think that some of the lines of communication being shut down by the pandemic pandemic have hurt coverage, have hurt maybe understanding of things. Um, and, and I do hopefully see that coming back in store. Um, I'm going to SEC football media days in July, which is going to be fun, but it's also going to be a chance to be around Eli Drinkwitz. I've, I've seen Eli Drinkwitz, I think like one time in person, um, Dan, I mean, that's weird. Uh, think about that. He, he was hired meet him. And then you just see him on zoom for, for a whole season. I've talked to him on the phone, but I, but I've not really sat down with him or, you know, th- there is something to be said for, for sharing a space with somebody and, and talking. Not everybody loves it players wise, and they don't all have to do it anymore, but I think there are ones who understand it and, and see the value in it. And, and I know that it's critical to what we do. So I'm happy it's happening. I hope it leads to improved coverage. We've all been trying to figure out the best ways to do this in this, um, in this post-pandemic time, but I think getting back to being around, being able to be there in person, I think those are all going to be things that hopefully show and the value of them show. And, and, and hopefully it's done with an enthusiasm and also an understanding that maybe we took for granted in the past. I know I probably did, but I never thought I'd go through a year plus where I wasn't, wasn't able to, to walk into a clubhouse or a locker room. So, um, you know, it's hopefully, I think silver lining, it's something that reminds us how lucky we are to be able to do those things. Um, I'm going to wrap it up with this. As I always say, you're, you're lying in the weeds with something always good planned for the weekend. Love reading your work. I think you're fabulous. So, um, well, if you weren't, I, I wouldn't have had you on the site, you know, so oh, now you're just, now you're just buttering me up. I'm very, I don't have anything, anything devious coming. Um, I, I am interested in this kind of what, a similar topic, all these stories going on about fans who are going nuts at the games, you know, they're throwing things at players, they're, they're dumping popcorn on 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 basketball players and and it, what, what's going on with, what's going on with us? Are we we've all just lost our minds? So <laughs> I've actually talked with a couple experts in in sports psychology. There are such things, and I'm working on a column about you know us figuring out how to act again at the ballpark. So uh, we all maybe need a little bit of a reminder. Um, and and as we're trying to figure out how to behave in big groups again. So um, I've had some fun conversations this week about that. Um, so that'll be coming in in, a, in this weekend's post-dispatch. Hey, first of all, uh, a ticket to a game, I've said this all the time, it allows you to boo, you can cheer. Yeah, heck, heck yeah. You can dance in your seat. I, I went, I took my my girls, and I called my wife my girl too, so my two little girls and the, and the big girl, we all went to the ballpark 
uh, for Sunday night baseball. We weren't doing the game against the uh, the Cubs. And so we were in a uh, one of the all-inclusive boxes, which is really cool. They, you know, had to eat, got to eat everything. They're having fun. And it had outdoor seating. And so we were watching a guy that was probably, I'd say, Ben, he's 10 rows away going down. Okay, we're kind of elevated. We were way down the right field line. We didn't care. We were just having fun. We're, we're at the ballpark. First time we've been back in a long time. And it was hilarious because the guy was with either his wife or his girlfriend and another couple. And he was a younger guy. I, I would say probably 25, 30 years old. And with every song, every song that came on, not the walk-up songs, but the songs between the innings for the entertainment, he got up and he's dancing. He's holding his beer He's gyrating. His hips are going this way and that way, and they're all laughing, and people around him are la- I mean, people were having – I got goosebumps, actually. People were having a good time. And I was like, that is great. That's great. And I said, it's funny. It's hilarious. I don't know how many beers the guys had. I don't care. He's enjoying himself. And, and he wasn't bothering anybody else. People were getting a kick out of it. And it, I followed that up because two nights ago in the Cardinal game – when Yachty came up and got the bases loaded walk, you could feel the air and the pressure on the shoulders of the players, the fans, broadcast. I mean, all of it was lifted. And the fans got so into the game. And even with these limited crowds, I have to remind myself that we're only seeing crowds of 22, 25, and they are loud, man. And I'm telling you, I think there is something to the fact, and I don't know if that means that they're throwing – stuff this is a separate thing but man these fans are excited to be back and I just I I can hear it I feel it when I'm at the ballpark I get a sense I watch people are really enjoying themselves again and I love it I you know that's why we love going to sporting events and you know it's it's not work it's not running around with your kids it's it's family time it's enjoying the game Um, so that's one part of it but the part of when you buy a ticket to dance and to uh, boo if you want. You can boo. You can cheer. Uh, hopefully, you know, it, it doesn't. What, what my point is, it doesn't give you a right to be dumping popcorn on Quinn Snyder in the bragging rights game. It certainly doesn't give you the right to be throwing things at players. And the minute that it happens, you're gone. I mean, there's no quite there. You don't do that in any other walk of life. So why would you do it there? And it's unacceptable. It's inexcusable. And you're out. That's all there is to it. I think that I was actually having a conversation with with an expert in this field this this week, and believe it or not, there are experts in the field of why sports fans act crazy. And uh, and 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 if and if it wasn't for sports fans, we wouldn't have jobs, right? I mean, we've all felt that energy that that moment can bring. The players love it, the fans love it, we love it as as media. But there's a line, right? And and are we crossing the line as humans more now that we're all cooped up coming out of the pandemic, or? Are we just having a conversation about where the line should be because we haven't been at the games? I mean, bad behavior has existed for a long time. So it's an interesting conversation. Or maybe the players are just more likely now to speak out against it because they've been they got kind of used to playing without fans. Um, maybe maybe that's it's probably all part of it. And and I do think that it's worthy of a conversation. Here's my line: If you wouldn't do it to somebody on a street, don't do it to somebody at a baseball game. Period. Or, or a basketball game. Yes. I guarantee you, you would not dump popcorn on what Russell Westbrook's head if you saw him walking down Wash Ave, because you would be afraid of the consequences right. of that action. So why should you be allowed to do it courtside? Um, you know, and, and I think you know 
why are, why are we allowed to do things at games sometimes that we're not allowed to do anywhere else? So um, not to be a, a school marm or, or anything like that. I mean, you just got to remember to bring your, bring your, bring your dignity and common sense to the ballpark with you. Go and have fun, have a blast, dance until your, your feet fall off, but don't put yourself on a spot where you're ruining something for somebody else or threatening a player to the point of physical, um, physical, uh, you know, assault when, when you're there. Um, beware the mob mentality because we're all kind of not used to being in mobs lately. We're not used to being in big crowds. So if you see somebody acting crazy, um, hope they get it figured out before they get themselves in trouble. Well, I've had to figure this out. Do I feel the crowds are really into it because I was watching cardboard cutouts last year? Or is it because fans right. are really into it? You know what I mean? So you went to the it's games both. last year at Bush Stadium. It, it was dead. You know, you're piping in the crowd. And, and yeah, there's music between innings for the players to try to make it a sense of normalcy. But it's completely dead. And you walked in the concourse. It was dark. It was dusty. Uh, there was no atmosphere. There's really not an atmosphere during the game. It was just a baseball game of the best in the world doing what they do. And so I'm trying to figure out, and I think I'm right about this. I do. <clears throat> I don't think it's more about last year and getting used to doing games with no fans as opposed to, I think, having fans coming back and they are so overjoyed to be back and they're letting it out. And I think it's the latter. It might be a mixture of both, but I don't think I'm wrong about this. I think the fans are just so excited to come back and, and enjoy a sporting event. I really do. I think it's a combination of both. If you're walking in the quiet woods for, for two weeks and you go out and stand next to a freeway, it's going to seem loud. Um, but, but it's also, if you tell the cars they're not driving for a year and a half and you let them out, they're going to drive fast and loud too. Yeah. Um, so it's a combination of both. And, and the, the thing that you, you see it in the most is the players, the players feel it. I mean, they're performers, they're entertainers. They like having an audience. You know, it's not the same to hit a buzzer beater and, and, the, and, and your teammates jump up and down on the bench, but that's it. And they, you tell me that Yadier Molina doesn't feel a difference when he goes up there and everybody hits their feet versus when he went up there and, you know, a breeze ruffled through the cardboard cutouts. I mean, come on. He's been playing baseball for, for, for longer than some of the people at the game have been alive for the Cardinals. He knows how the fans can, can make a moment better or can help push him to succeed. That's real. And, and if it wasn't real, then there wouldn't be a situation where a college basketball player misses a key free throw when he makes it 10 out of 10 times in practice. So don't tell me it's not real. Right. These things do make a difference. I think it makes us as our jobs better. Not that we're comparing us to athletes, but the moments are easier to, to, to describe and, and live and, and write about or talk about when you, when you have the, the atmosphere. And I think it's the same thing for the players. So it's certainly the same thing for the fans. I mean, you feel, you feel closer to a team when you're going able to watch it. So We've been robbed of that for a while, and, and I think that we're going to see this this collective experience of getting it back. And it's going to be – I mean, you and I talked about it early on. You and I have had these talks for more than a year now. There's going to be a boom, and 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 I think we're going to see it. Um, one thing that would help is if the Cardinals go play some meaningful postseason yeah. baseball. Yeah. It would help if Missouri started – Missouri football started with – you know, started their season with four consecutive wins – um, if they beat that that Kentucky team the second week and they're rolling toward that A&M game undefeated, and there's going to be a, a real buzz around that basketball or around that football team. Um, you know, same thing for, for Travis Ford at SLU. I mean, there's going to be a desire to, to have sports events. And if the teams play into that, they're going to be rewarded because 
we all know if there's one thing St. Louis fans will do, it's jump behind a, a team that's performing. And, and especially when they've got all this pent up energy and enthusiasm, it could be a special thing. Hey, buddy. Uh, great to catch up on these Fridays. We made it through uh, when there was no sports like this time last <laughs> year. We're trying to figure out. Yeah, what man. You know, what are we going to talk about? But uh, it's been great, man. These Fridays are a lot of fun with you. Yeah, thank you, Dan. And uh, congrats on, on making it through as well. And uh, excited to hear you welcome a full capacity crowd back. That's going to be you have your uh, you have your you have a little speech prepared, maybe a, a poem or something. No, you know what? A little I th- ditty? Hey, you know what I think is going to happen? Um, typically speaking, even in full capacity and if the Cardinals were in first place, if the Marlins came through on a Monday night in June, um, the crowd would be fine. You know, it'd be a great crowd for a lot of teams. And I, I think that's what we're going to have on Monday night. And I do believe, and I don't know if you agree with this, this is another subject probably, but I do believe, and you probably got to go, and you're like, come on, man, wrap it up. But no, we can go as long as we want. I do believe that people's buying habits have completely changed. And not all, but some. And so as we move forward in the summer, I think you're going to see the crowds just get bigger and bigger and bigger. And and if you had apprehension going to the ball game and you went to your first one, you're like, oh, man, I'm coming back. It was great. It felt back to normal. Uh, it feels like it old times again. I'm going back down there. So you got to remember, weekend series especially, are you, you, you do basically a 60-mile radius outside of St. Louis and about 65% outside that ring are the fans that you see at the ballpark for that weekend because people plan a weekend or a vacation coming in to watch. So you didn't know. You know, this has just gotten opened up in the last month, and you didn't know, could I get a ticket? Should I take my family there? What's it going to be like? You know, so I think it's going to take a little bit, but I do think before the summer is through, um, we're going to have some of those really big crowds, and that's going to be fun to see. I I really think that's going to happen. It'll be good to have a full house when Max Scherzer makes his debut with the Cardinals. Oh, boy. I'm in. Look at you smiling <laughs> on the other end of this. You know I'm in on that, buddy. I, I'd yeah, love sign, to see Sign it. me up. You, sign. you always like to mention that he was a Cardinals draft pick. I see. I hear you sneaking that in there. And Mizzou Hall of Famer, you know, grew up around here, loved Ozzy, loved the Cardinals, you know, whatever. Just, just mentioning it, just facts. Hey, the Nationals are doing their part. Yes, I'll they are. Yes, they are. Uh, Hey, Ben, great catching up. We'll uh, do this next Friday. Sounds good, man. Have a good weekend. You too. That's Ben Fredrickson of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. We do this every Friday on scoopswithdannymac.com. And again, uh, if you're a sports fan, especially soccer fans, make sure you tune in to Fox 2 this weekend. Carolyn Kendall-Betts, the commissioner, Don Garber, and also uh, Taylor Twelman, one of the best to come out of this area in soccer. And that's saying something. And now the top analyst for the sport on ESPN and uh, you're going to see the inside of the stadium and what it's uh, looking like and the brick and the mortar and, and those kind of things. So uh, I think you're really going to enjoy that, and it's something that's exciting for St. Louis. So we'll get into that 10.30 on Sunday night on Fox 2. Our visits with Ben are brought to you by Blue Tail Medical Group.